Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. I don't know what I did today. I just forgot what we were doing and left everything and went, shit, and Bonnie and I had made for a walk and I hadn't put the washing on the line. Oh, my God. And then so now I've just got very sweaty doing everything and um, and now Chanel's here and I'm excited. No, I'm not Because it's probably recorded all of that and it's humiliating for me. Oh, Chanel doesn't care how much of a wreck I am. She just oh pretends, God. doesn't even. I'm such a wreck. I feel like I'm going to cry. I feel really oh emotional. Oh. Yeah, I'm super emotional. I'm going to cry. Are you pregnant? No, I'm, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? I don't know. I'm just really emotional that we're doing this. Oh, oh no, I'm going to cry. Oh, oh, baby. Oh, there's tissues there I'm ready. There's cry. hand sanitizer. I don't know if tears have got COVID in them. but It's, it's just there. been really hard. Yeah, it has. Hasn't it? It's it has such... been hard. I didn't mean to get emotional. No, no, that's all right. I actually got a little emotional when um, I just put the little note on the Facebook page. I've got this inherent thing where I don't like to go, me, me, look at me here. Oh, I'm doing this. But because it was all of us and, and people had been sending messages saying, when are you back, when are you back? And, and so I put it on the Facebook page and it went boom. Oh my God, and I no. just thought how I, it's so lovely to be appreciated and wanted. Yeah. And um, yeah, I got a little bit emotional then, but now I'm all, I'm all business right now. I I'm, know, like, I'm a wreck. I'm ready to go. I <laughs> know, oh, I'm fired up. I'm ready. What are you doing? How are you going to do a story if you're I all... Because I've got questions. There's questions for you. There's I know. Big but questions. do you know what the thing was? I think for the last six months that, you know, I'm saying it's six months. I know we had a little break, yeah, but it's six months of lockdown. It is. Sorry to interrupt you there, yeah. but I have not seen my parents... For that length of time, because yeah. that's there's I still have a twenty five k thing, so there's still yeah I can't see my dad either. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Um, and I think it was just really fucking hard. Yeah, it was so hard, and it was really. Oh, I, I've said on this on our podcast before that I don't block people on social media, and I I block the shit out of people oh, during this. Okay, you you that's interesting. To. Yeah, it was yeah. horrible. It was so horrible. And I'm very aware of the fact that, um, and this will come back to our podcast, I'm very aware of the fact that we were delivering the bad news every day. Yes. Yeah. us. We yeah. were doing it. As the media, we were doing it. But some of the things that were written to me were so horrific. Mm. And that's not why I'm crying. I'm crying yeah. because it, like the whole lockdown was awful. But when you put that post up, I'm going to get upset again. No, no, no. no. Talk, talk through it if you can. And... um. And I read how lovely people were yeah. and just how appreciative people were. It was the first time. Why am I crying? Because it's a lot to deal with. That's it was, why. Oh my, I didn't mean this. this is, we're definitely going to get to dead bodies. It's not going to be a counselling session for Chanel this whole time. <laughs> um, but it was the first time, I think, in, in six months that I'd read such lovely things online and everything was so awful online. Mm. And, you know, we have so many viewers into... Um, Listeners, view, viewers, listeners, <laughs> listeners um, interstate who were very understanding of what we went through. But I feel like for the rest of the country, um, lockdown was quite a novelty. Um, yeah. You know, they kind yeah. of locked down for, for a couple of months or weeks and, you know, and then it was all back to normal. But 
for Victorians, it was really tough. Yeah. It was really hard and it was really hard seeing people struggle and I feel like you would say the same and so would Kirst. I mm. love this city yeah. and yeah. I'm Melbourne through and through and to see what people went through and people losing jobs and you know people not knowing if they could put food on the table, it was just awful. Yeah. It was so awful. Every day was awful and um, it was really hard as you would be, and I think cursed would be the same, especially answering phones, just hearing how angry people were and how upset people were. And people were really fucking angry and they had every right to be. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we went from bushfires where everyone was so lovely and we had this community spirit to everyone was just broken. Mm. Anyway, but I just really appreciated all the lovely messages oh, and I just same. kept reading them over and over and it honestly got me through from the end of last week. Can I tell you though, this is interesting, I looked at them again and uh, I just want to do an apology up front. Everyone who sent feedback, if whether it be an talking, email... I need to blow my nose. Okay, you do that. Whether it be an, an email or a message via Facebook inbox or something, I do try and acknowledge all of them. <laughs> I can hear that. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> Sanitise, please. Sorry. It's all right. You, you yes, let I'm it all out. Let it out. It's okay. Um, oh, I want to apologise up front for everyone who sent feedback messages, whether they be emails or, or Facebook inbox or whatever way. Over the last six months, probably. Exactly. Yeah. I let it go for a little bit. I try and acknowledge people. If we, if I don't necessarily acknowledge you, your feedback might come up on mm. one of the episodes. But it's all got a bit muddled and stuff. We'll try to get to it yes. as much as we and can. And I would normally reply to some of the Facebook messages, but I've had to change my name on Facebook because I was receiving so many awful messages from people. Wow. So my name is no longer my name on Facebook. I will change it back. Um, but, and I had to turn all my Twitter notifications off. So if people have tweeted me from yeah. dead bodies and yeah. I haven't replied and I normally would, it's because I'm just, I don't see the notifications because yeah. The messages was just so awful from the majority of people. I hate that you had to go through that. And I've spoken to other reporters. Mm. It seems to be more with television, yes. that sort of vitriol. Um, reporters who've been on the scene of, say, protests and things mm. that have happened oh, that have been abused. It's, it's I had to move Twitter into another folder and just not use it for a week because yeah. Nicholas actually said to me, he's like, can you delete that app? Yeah. And I was like, I can't stop checking it. I'm so paranoid that people are hating what I'm reporting and I just and it was yeah, it was bad I had to step away well I mean we got it a lot so doing mm. a daily show and the same call as you, when everyone was thrilled the other day and we're free and we I had a zero cases and it was all exciting but in the back of my mind I didn't want to be like the one going oh but there's still this bad news I know but I I, I was thinking at that time I'm I'm so happy and relieved but I will take to my grave mm. hearing you'll make me cry now oh hearing people call and that you, grown people mm. are desperate on their knees whose yep. lives are destroyed, yep. who've either lost a loved one, totally. whose business has gone, who's everything they've worked for, for mm. their, to set up their lives for their children, to hear people have, losing that and ringing and breaking down in tears because they couldn't but I think go you and have sit to with remember, someone who was dying. Or you have to remember that and we as the media have to remember that. We kept our mm. jobs through this yeah. and so many people didn't and I Conscious feel like of that. Yep. Yep, and you, you know – being emotional about it is fine because I never wanted to forget that yeah. throughout this whole thing. I yeah. never wanted to forget it. And I feel like we had to keep reminding ourselves every day yeah. about how hard people were doing it just so you could speak to listeners and 
understand people's what that will just understand what people were going through yeah and i felt that radio talkback radio in particular gave people just somewhere to talk to to vent they were definitely turning to to us to to hear information mm. but they did want to vent or just be heard yeah and sometimes i dealt with messages from people privately yeah because they didn't want to go to air and i was doing so much of that on twitter yeah and people dming me and it's a lot for us to take on because we're not experts we're just another person living in the city there were times where i was pulling into my garage and literally sitting in my car replying to messages because dave from some rural town wanted to know if he could do x y and z yes yeah and i had to um i had to who just walked past your son okay so here's what's happening we're sitting in my laundry um morning bailey my son's just woken up. Yeah. So we would have been in the office where we've recorded before, but he's yeah. got a mate coming over. Okay. But if his mate's not coming over and I've set us up in the laundry, no, I like could this have had, laundry. Hang on, let's just sort this out. Bailey, can you come here, please? Bailey's when, 21. When I, Dee Dee says laundry, he hasn't. It's lovely. It's, I've it's, seen it's, a, it. it's kind yeah. of my craft room. I had to send. It's not a laundry. Bailey. No. He's ignoring you. Bailey, can you come here, please? Is he wearing his robe? He's been wearing a He's not bath wearing robe, a robe for weeks. Yeah. I had to peel it off him to wash it. No. Bailey? He's gone. He no, he hasn't gone. You. He's pretending he can't hear me. Do you know the biggest injustice of this whole lockdown was that I still had to put makeup on every single day? I've worn it, I think, three times. I put a little bit on today just because I felt I wanted to not look every sweaty and fucking day. stressed. Full face of makeup. That's annoying. Kill that is me. annoying. I didn't even brush my Everyone hair. Everyone was like, days. active wear, how great. And like, my biggest triumph was that I wore jeans to work <laughs> and I didn't wear heels once. That was my little win. That's nice. But yeah. top up, ca- camera ready. Yep. Bottom half, not so much. I've done a couple of TV crosses, you know, yep. just those panel chat things where I've been. Smart shirt in the top, yeah. makeup, and then the bottoms, chucky yeah. ducks and uggs. Just totally. for comfort, yeah. I did try and dress at the beginning because I read somewhere, you know, dress sensible, dress for the office. It will make you feel. Oh, think, I'm thinking, no, nah, not even bothering with that. Um, yeah. Uh, hang on, hang on. We haven't got to what? the biggest question of all. This is what. Well, people want to know what's going on with the wedding. Oh my goodness! What is happening? Okay, so apart from privately accosting the premier and the chief health officer after press conferences right. and being like. What's going on with weddings? I need to know what's happening. Like the, I can tell you that the Premier was very aware that I had a pending wedding, is what Good. I can tell you. And every time anyone would mention weddings in those press conferences, he would look at me, not say anything, but I would receive a look. Yep. He would know. High maintenance Bella. Yeah. Nagging oh, me again. Again about this wedding. I'd be like, Professor Brett Sutton, sorry, I know you've got the whole state to save, but where, how are we looking? Were you the one that asked the question about whether we could get back on the beers? Yeah. That was you. I thought it was. Yeah, okay. Didn't know (laughs) where in the press conference I should ask that question. I think about halfway through you could hear me getting nervous about (laughs) it. But I just went with it. Yeah. And I I felt it was copped a lot of backlash for it. The Karens were out. Oh, really? Yeah, they were out. But I just kind of thought, fuck it. Mm. Yeah, no, that's what it's what people, people wanted, wanted to hear. hear. They yeah. wanted good news. They wanted it at the start of that press. That is the thing. This is old lady media lady speaking. Yes. But 
always remember what do the people want. And Kirsten yes. knows this. Don't we, Kirsten? We yep. always say this whenever we're kind of going, oh, should we cover this story? What should we, mm. Who should we interview? We always make our decisions based on what do people need to know. know or what would they be interested in or what are they doing. And those press conferences are really difficult, I think, for a lot of people to listen to. It changed the whole dynamic of what we do in the media because people mm. were hearing press conferences live for the very first time. And... Um, you know, I think a lot of people didn't like the questioning of the Premier. It frustrated some people. Oh, some definitely. People, yep. yep, it definitely frustrated people. And then on that day that we were opening up, there was some of that questioning going on and I felt like I had to get rapid-fire questions out. I was like, Premier, can we go to the zoo? Premier, <laughs> what about this? <laughs> I was just like trying to get the questions out. But like people were tweeting me being like, what about this? And I'd be like, Premier. <laughs> it was just... Answer the wedding question. Okay, sorry. So at one point... He, we thought after my bailing up of very professional people after press conferences that there was a possibility we could maybe have 10 people mm-hmm. and so we were going to do it. I convinced Nicholas that we would just have our families, immediate families, and we'd right. have a little ceremony but then as we were getting closer to October, it just looked like it wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't. So we scrapped that idea and so we're just not married but on the day that we were meant to get married my family god bless their souls sent us a beautiful provador dinner oh yeah lovely i got shit-faced <laughs> abs when i say shit-faced like nicholas took my makeup off shit-faced oh wow yeah and i was vomiting all that provador dinner at 3 a.m Magnificent. You You're welcome. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah and I, I, the only thing I remember was dancing with the dogs and then <laughs> getting into bed and Nicholas pulling the sheet up. And I said, babe, you need to take my makeup off because <laughs> I hate going to bed with makeup on. And I remember the pressure of him wiping my makeup off my eyes. And then as soon as he did that, I went to sleep. Yeah, he is a blessing, isn't he? He so is a blessing. Will, will you, you'll marry next year, or what yes. will happen? Yes. So okay. we're aiming for March. Right. Good. I think we'll be okay. But yeah. I said that last time. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but I just kind of feel like we'll see. Okay. We'll see how we go. I'm not wedded to the date. You're welcome. That's very clever what you did there. Um, a lot of good stuff coming out. But we'll just say, you know, I th- I've said this before. I just think like the wedding was the, the the most first world problem in the pandemic. I wasn't too upset seeing what other people were going through about yeah. not having a wedding. Um, but, well, uh, do you know Georgia Love? She's a lovely girl. Yes, Gino, yes. works at Channel 10. She uh, t- tweeted a question about weddings because mm. she's got a, an upcoming wedding too. Yes. And she got... Absolutely smashed. attacked as though smashed. she was somehow only cared about herself and she yes. just went, I just asked a question. No, you can't. And you can't no. be funny on Twitter and no. you can't. No. Yeah, you, no one can take a joke on there. No, mm. no. Which is why I just post dogs every now and then. Yeah, just put dogs up. Yeah, and, just put dogs yeah. up. I even gave up on the – my husband was doing these terrible jokes, dad jokes all the time. I was posting them for mm. a while and I gave up on that. Oh, well, then someone wrote back to one of my daily dog posts and said, oh, is this – I'm doing this voice because this is what those people sound yes, like. Yes, yep. Uh, is this humiliated dog day, is it? Oh, no. Oh, no. It was dogs with watermelons on their heads for fuck's yes. sake. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And the good. dogs were happily having – they could have – anyway. Wow. What else do we need to cover? I feel like um, Barry almost died. Yes, I know. That was terrible. It's 2020. Been a shit of a year. So my dog almost died. He was unwell. He went downhill very quickly. Uh, We had to rush him to the emergency vet and I was there going, 
do whatever you need to do. Mm. Do not call me for every blood test. If he needs it, he gets it. I don't care. Here, take the credit cards. And Nicholas is like, where are we spending this money from? Mm -hmm. I was like, it's the wedding fund. Take it for the dog. Anyway, he pulled through $13,000 later. Yeah. Okay. Pet insurance oh, saved us. Oh, thank goodness. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm a walking, talking ad for pet insurance now, but yeah. oof, saved us. And it, now I grab Barry's face every day and I say, do you know you almost died? He doesn't know. He, he doesn't know He that. doesn't know he was near-death experience. No. Mm. You saved him though. Mm. I've done two, just speaking about dead bodies, two Zoom funerals in this time. Oh, can you smell something dead right now? What? Well... When I no? said to Bonnie yesterday that we were going to be recording in here, she said, you know, there's a smell in there. Like, my sense of smell, I don't think it's No, great, I can't but... smell anything dead. No. And she said, oh, I'm just getting a whiff of something dead. But I've also got deep heat on my back, so I smell like an 80-year-old woman. Your back's still not great. So, yeah. where we're sitting is above a cellar. There's a oh, cellar underneath Jesus. us. And occasionally, a little a little meeses. And when I say mouse, oh. I mean rat, uh, will die down there or a possum or something. Or it could be a lizard or a snake. <laughs> But anyway, I can't smell it. But if you get a whiff of something dead. Let me just check my banter list to make sure we covered off everything. All right. Well, we can do what have you watched later. But should we jump into a story? Do you think people hate this, Bants? What we've done is cry and talk about sad things. I don't care if people hate it. Okay. This is what we're doing. Do you want a story? Are you going first? Let me just double check. I think I've covered everything. I've got more stuff, but it's... What do you have? Well, viewing and stuff. Like what you watch? Yes. What have you been watching? I'm really into Formula One racing now. Oh, no. Really? <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, girl. What happened? I'm so into it. Good girl. Every so Sunday I. night, I stay up to watch. Yeah. I'm right into it. It's so good. Yeah, and I've realized that F1 drivers are the equivalent of teenage girls. What, what do you no, like about not. it? No, they're like superheroes. What was that, they're Kirst? Su- I was going to say, what do you like about it? I just Well, oh. it's so, there's so much drama, Kirst. There's so much drama. Yes, they throw t- temper tantrums. They They've throw tantrums. hips, tiny yes. little men with big tam- tempers. And they get ri- they're so rich and they get but, mad about shit and then drivers get kicked out and then they win on other teams. It just, oh. Yeah, they're very territorial. And a friend of mine, um, Kirst knows Steve Pizzati, mm-hmm. former racing driver, he used to do a motoring segment with mm. me on weekends. And he does this thing where he explains to you what it is like to drive in a Formula One race. Mm. And it's oh, it, it, it's something like the temperature is 50 degrees Celsius. Oh, yeah. And some of them the are in their seats. The g is like having a, a 20 kilo sack of concrete yeah, they do, above your head. They do neck exercises. They put like weights around their necks. Yeah. They do neck exercises. Cursed ask There's me anything, all these I'm across it. You're a pro. Yeah. <laughs> I could literally do it live cross I'm right so now. I'm so glad I love all, motor racing. Yeah, I love F1. I'm all about F1. What a this waste. This is so good. I used to work at Channel 10, the F1 network. Didn't Wasn't yeah. interested. Supercars? Did you watch Bathurst? No, I didn't oh, watch Bathurst, on. but I know everyone was upset that Bathurst was at the same time as the Premier's presser. Yeah. People were tweeting me about that. Yeah. Yeah. you got to get onto Bathurst. Do it's I? It's so good. Yeah, because it's kind of, it's kind of, it's the rough and tough Aussie version of... Okay. The Formula One. Formula you mean, One. You a, mean the Bogan version? Yes, the that's Bojan. what I mean. Mm. I love F1 though. The crashes at the start—they're yes. all getting fucked up. And... Have you ever been to one? 
Yes, once. Okay. And they complain. They complain. Yeah. Through the headset. In French. Yes. Yes. I they love do. it. They go off. And a whole, yeah. and, and, oh, it's the best. Love it. Curse, get around it, honestly. Oh, oh, there's oh, so much out. more I need to watch before Don't I get to Don't just do a story. Okay. Yeah. Do a get story. Get into it, Curse. You have to. We've got until March. Who's going first? <laughs> you go. Me. You go. Your, your laptop, I feel like you're ready. I am ready. Do I'm it. I'm ready. I've got it open. Okay. If All I right. remember anything else. Just jump in. I'll jump in. Okay. Okay. Do we want the Terry Belts close by? Yeah. I can get it. Hang on. Get it. Just quickly before I do it, I thought of two of the things I wanted to throw onto the Bants list. Uh, One is got a new kettle, hate it. Loved my old kettle. It was clear. It was glass. You could see what was going on. Uh, Russell Hobbs? Was it Russell Hobbs? No. The other one was Brevlin. I loved it. And someone broke the lid of it. I don't know exactly who. No one's owning up. I was trying to fix the lid and then I Mm. smashed the glass of it. So that's sad. So the one I've got is Russell Hobbs. Hate it. Hate it. It's very quiet. Boy, I can't see how much water is in it. But you can get clear. Why did you? Did you impulse buy? I bought it with my flybys points. Okay, so on this, my online ordering is fucking out of control. Yes. I have been buying up a store. I could probably restore the Victorian economy if they added up how much I've spent online. Have you been going, like I've done a little bit of top end stuff, a little bit of also, one of my most exciting purchases was Bonnie got these for me online from Kmart. A seven pack of undies for $14. So $2 undies. They are the softest, most comfortable undies I think I've ever worn in my life. I buy all my undies in multi packs. These are the best. They're the best ones. I'm so excited about them. (laughs) It was like my favorite thing. There's there's nothing. (laughs) I wear the same black black undies every day. Yeah. Same undies. Well, these were like a selection. There's nude. There was some black. There nah, was like see, a I don't fuck around with that. I'm bluish just black. One. <laughs> Same black multi-pack pair of undies every day. Oh, and they're so, from Kmart. And then the other thing that I just thought, because I went into the kitchen to get Terry Bell, was um, apart from the kettle, the I, I don't drink coffee, but there's a coffee pod Nespresso type machine Love thing them. in there. Yeah. It's broke down. It leaked. Oh. Had to return it to Costco. Oh. We're in lockdown. Couldn't return it too no. far away. Turned outside my 5K thing. Oh. So I finally got around to returning it a couple of days ago and everyone's very happy. But that was very depressing because it was there for ages. But, yes, there's yeah. things that we just couldn't get fixed. Yeah, so when you want something, you can either have tea with the annoying kettle or you can have a pod coffee. Okay. Right. Thank you. Okay, story. This mm-hmm. is a very um, upsetting one. This for oh, I'm so glad we're doing this. Getting upset. <laughs> I'm so happy. Okay. Oh, actually, I don't know whether to do this one or to do. No. Uh, oh, I'm changing What's tack. Happening? Changing tack at the last. Oh, well, do you want a shooting in a shopping center or an, a ye oldie worldy one where, the, where some. Oh. Which one has more accents? Well, I could probably squeeze an accent into this one. Okay. okay. All right. That's how we decide okay. it. We're All good. Right. So this one, uh, and this is not banter, but I'm just referring to The Night Driver, which is the new podcast by Headley Thomas. You know, he did I The Teacher's Pet. I haven't listened to it, but Headley's great. Okay. Well, it's really good. Um, okay. It's this, in this one. So, you know, in the last one, he looked into the disappearance of her name has gone out of my mind, but you know the one, The Teacher's Pet. Yes, we should know um, it though, because we shouldn't we should be know. shit, because it's a very good story. I've got the new girl's name. Are you... People will be shouting it. Yeah. Cause listening to this. Uh, Chanel's Googling. Normally annoys me, but I'm here. Lynette Dawson. Lynette Dawson, thank you. Thank you. Um, so his new one is called The Night Driver, and it's about a girl called Janine Vaughan who went missing from Bathurst back in 2001. Okay. 
Anyway, that's what his podcast is about. But okay. at one point he refers to something. So he's in Bathurst investigating and he refers to something that happened at the Bathurst jail. Okay. And he sort of mentions it but, but moves on. And I was, if I was actually there with him while he was talking the podcast, I would have gone, wait, 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 what, wait. what, what? Yeah, what? okay. So oh. I had to do my own Googles and go, oh, really? Okay. Okay. So, this is an incident Whoa. Headley referred to, Whoa. but I'm going to flesh it That's out a bit for you. Noise. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, so I'll start with the dead body. So this is going back to Wednesday, the March the 13th in 1872. Oh, we're way back. Mm. And a woman's body was found on the side of the road in, Wind. I think it's pronounced Windyer, Windyer which is about 200 k's northwest of Sydney. Um, she was a short little woman, five foot three, aged in her 50s, dark grey hair. And I'll pick it up where the inquest had started at the local police station in Windyer. Mm -hmm. A senior constable, Lewis McAvoy, said that five days earlier, so on the 7th of March, 1872, a man known as – he's got – look, he changes his name. It's John Conn, C-O-N-N, or John Coyne, like the money, spelt like money. John Coyne. Or John Coyne with a Y in the middle of it. Okay. So he had come to the police station a few days earlier. John Conn was from Galway in Ireland. Thank you. There you go. Here we are. There you go. I love an Irish accent. He was a carpenter. Yes. I did Irish radio the other day. Yeah. Yes. I had to stop trying. I, I almost laughed. Did you want to do their accent? Everyone yes, had an accent. Everyone. And they yes. were asking me very serious questions about w- what it's like in Melbourne, Victoria. Milbert. Yes, in Milbert. Melbourne, Victoria. They were very happy that we'd gotten down to zero. And the whole time I had to hold my head up trying not to, to laugh. Because Imagine them all doing a jig it and was singing, so... come all your songs down the pub, come all your boys and do, do, do. This is what I mean. That. They were so Irish. Yeah. It was amazing. Funny and that, I'd, in Ireland. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, okay, John Dwan was got from Galway in Ireland. He was a carpenter, <laughs> 59 years old, and he said that. He'd been riding a horse and cart on the road to Windyre with the woman. He said he didn't know her name. It's very good. It's going to become really tiring though, isn't it? I'll keep going as long as I can. Please. His wife and daughter were also travelling with him, but they had walked ahead. John Conn said that when they came to the top of the Windyre Hill, he told the woman to get out of the cart so he could drive it down more easily. So I suppose with a horse and cart, if you're going down the hill, yes. you want there to be less weight, weight on it so front. you can control it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he has to tell her to get out. Yeah, tell her to get out. <laughs> but she wouldn't. Oh, good for her. She said, you get out, I'll drive Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Why did he say, why did he make her get out? Now, remember, she's dead at this point at, and we're at the police station. Well, she's, uh, yeah, no, she's not dead on the car. Yes. No, no, but the telling of the story They've by gone, Don Conn. Yeah, five days earlier. In yeah. his Irish accent. Uh, he said that while they were talking and having this argument, you get off, no, you get off, no, you get off. Mm-hmm. The horse started moving oh. and the woman then tried to get out of the cart. Too late. Exactly. Mm. She fell onto the wheel. She grabbed hold of one of the spokes. Oh, no. Which is kind of almost comical if it wasn't so gross. Oh, no. He said he tried to pull her away, but she held a dying grip of it. A what? A dying grip of it. A dying grip. Yes. Okay. Uh, the horse kept moving. The wheel turned round and round. No, no, no. The wheels Did on her head the... get ripped off? He said it tore her to pieces. Yeah. yeah. Killing her. I knew it would. Hmm. So he says then, and this is where he goes from being Irish to being a bit Australian, because he says oh. he, he cooeed for his wife. Cooey. What do you mean? Well, stra- cooeying is for Australian. For his wife? 
Cooey. Yes, because his wife had walked on ahead. I'll explain in a moment. Uh, he, uh, his wife didn't answer him. So he said what he did then, he put the woman's body in the back of the cart, put a tarpaulin over her and went on towards his wife. So his wife had... It's very convenient that he had a tarp. Yeah. Well, keep looking for issues with okay. the story. Yes. Uh, I know. I always carry my tarp just in case. Just in case I want to throw it over a body if I've got one in the back of my car. So uh, on his way with the cart, wife's walking ahead with the daughter. I didn't mention that. I think it comes up later on. I've mm. got all mixed up. I'm too excited telling the story. So uh, on the way to get to his wife with the cart, with the body, with the woman, he said he saw a man cutting wood with a cross-cut saw, but he didn't tell the man what happened because he just wanted to get to the police station and sort the whole thing out and report what had sure. happened. So Con caught up with his wife and daughter at the bottom of the hill. They left their John daughter. John Con. John Con. Mm. John Con. He, they left the daughter near the cart and he and the wife went on to the police station, reported it to this senior constable McAvoy. Mm -hmm. So McAvoy said he went with Con and the wife back to the cart and the cart was about 20 metres from the top of the hill. Okay. He said the body was on the ground behind the cart, covered with a tarp. No, I thought he put the... Uh, didn't he put it in the cart? Thank you, Constable Vella. Yes. He said he, they put it, he put it in he there. He did say that. So, there was blood on the woman's face, hands, and the front of her clothes. Mm. Doesn't sound torn to pieces to me, like he said. Or, torn to pieces. Blood all over her. Mm -hmm. And there was a large hole in the skull at the back of her right ear, quote, through which brains protruded. Like a gunshot? Don't know. Her hands and wrists were bruised. Her pockets were empty, but there was a purse. Now, they said the purse was in her breast, which I'm assuming, did she ever tucked between her bosies or what did that? I've did... kept money in my bra before. Sometimes when in the middle of summer, I put a tissue between my bosies because it gets sweaty in there. Oh, I haven't had to do that. You see, you see fat ladies do it. Well, I do it too. <laughs> I do it too. Um, Good tip. So, just sometimes. Uh, the purse had a blood stain on it, had a sixpence in it and a piece of paper inside. Now, she had been wearing a black straw hat. That was laying beside her on the ground and it had a lot of fresh blood in it, according to the constable. And on the back of the hat was a clean cut about two and a half inches long. So the police officer, McAvoy, said he found a tomahawk in the cart what? under a mattress and Con admitted it was his. And Did that he, have blood on it? It had a little bit of blood on it, but it also looked as though it had been recently washed. Yeah, hmm. right. So Constable McAvoy said the wound on the woman's skull was about the length of the blade of the tomahawk, and her hair was cut clean through. Mm. Uh, he did look around. He said there were no uh, tr there were no rocks within twenty meters of the cart that she might have hit her head on. Sure, there were a couple of tree stumps nearby, but he didn't think that they could have made this wound in her skull when she fell. Okay, Con's trousers and shirt had blood stains, but the policeman said he didn't think that blood could have gotten onto his clothes while he was lifting the body onto the cart because the blood was in spatters. It wasn't okay. in a. Um, he said, not like uh, oh no, the constable's not. Um, Irish, is he? The the police constable. Mm. He said, not like the gouts that would have dropped after the deceased was dead. Oh. Gouts, gouts. of blood. Yeah, it means like blah, blah. Is, gout, is that a thing? Gouts of blood? Yeah, gouts of blood. It means like spewing out. Ugh. Great 
gouts of blood. So Con kept saying that he didn't know this dead woman, that he picked her up near Gulgong and that she told him that she was a poor widow and she needed a lift to Sydney. Mm. And when she got there, she was going to get some money that was being sent from Scotland. I don't know if I can do a Scottish accent. and she, oh, I don't I think she I speaks. Cannot. No. Her things were all still on the cart. So she had a, a basket, a bundle, a large box and an old bed and a shawl. Con said that the horse and cart were his, that he had bought the horse from the pound in Dubbo. Mm-hmm. But in the woman's box was a receipt for a horse that was exactly the same as the one that Con had. And there were other papers in her box which indicated that her name was Aveline Littler. And I did actually, I looked up a few old articles on this. Some of them had her as Aveline, but I think it's Aveline, Aveline Littler. So by the time of the inquest, Con was being held in jail on suspicion of murder, but he was begging the police not to let her be buried without a post-mortem. He absolutely denied that he'd used the tomahawk on her. He kept insisting that she was killed by the horse. He also rather strangely offered to sell the policeman, McAvoy, the horse and cart, which I don't think is something you should do. No. His wife had also been arrested and she, her story matched up with her husband's. Uh, She said they picked the old woman up a couple of miles out of the diggings at Gulgong and she said the reason that she was walking in front of the cart at the time of the accident was that she and her husband argued a lot and she did not like to be with him. Which suggests to me that he's a bit of a nasty piece of work. Yes. Got maybe a temper. Um, and But she's still backing him. She said she didn't know how the woman died. So in the court case that came later, there was a lot of discussion about who owned the horse, uh, something about Con meeting the woman days earlier and going looking for a horse. It was all very confusing. Yes. And it, in my opinion, not very key to the case. But the, the thing that I took from it was it appeared that Con and his wife had not just picked the woman up that she had been travelling with them for at least a week. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So there's little inconsistency. Yeah. Yeah. And another man named Robert McNichol had seen the the dead woman three days earlier sitting on the side of the Windyre Road with Con and his wife and daughter. And he said he chatted to the woman and she told him that the horse and the cart were hers. Okay. Yeah. So we're still at the inquest. Dr. Wilson Ramsey said he had examined the body and that the woman must have been struck from behind with considerable violence. So based on all of this, John Coyne slash Coyne slash Coyne, depending on how you spell it, was sent to trial for the murder of Aveline Littler. Pulling my tummy in because I've put on two kilos in lockdown. Can't tell. I'm wearing all black. I look like a mime right now. You look fabulous. I'm going to stop pulling it in now because it doesn't matter. No. Um, okay, so Con's wife was let go, but they arrested her again because she did something else wrong. She'd um, uh, on suspicion of having stolen goods okay. from another woman. So the trial began on the 1st of May, 1872, and John Con pleaded not guilty to the murder of Aveline Littler. So I'll skip through a lot of it. Um, I just noted, though, that at one point, Con tried to pin the death on his wife. What? He said that he had walked away from the cart while his wife was near it and Aveline was on the cart. And he said that when I came back to the cart, the woman was bleeding from a wound in the head. And I said, what ails you? And she said, Con, lift me down. 
Like he's changed his bloody story, story again. Over and over. Um, and he also claimed that his daughter told him that the granny and his wife had had a quarrel and the tomahawk struck the granny on the head. But when he said that in court, when he told that yes. version in court, the daughter who was there, she called out, Oh, father, I never said that. Oh. I'm assuming she has an Irish accent as well. Um, <laughs> There was some evidence given about a small sapling on the ground near the cart that was broken off near the ground. So it was possible she could have hit her head on that. Uh, there were spots of blood on the tyre of the wheel, but none of the spokes. Stay with me. I know I'm going on for a long time, but no. wait until we get to the conclusion. That there's okay, a, there's I'm a, here. A good, there's a moment coming. A uh, lot more discussion about evidence, about the horse, blah, blah, blah. It did seem, though, to me that the horse really did belong to the dead woman. Okay. So the jury retired for 20 minutes. They came back with a verdict of guilty. Oh, I thought it was going to be not guilty. No. So John Cun... Uh, Cun? Whoop. Whoops. Whoop. Close. We're allowed to swear on our podcast. We, we are. Want to. We yeah. do. It's ours. Um, uh, John Con told the judge, I declare by Lord Jesus Christ oh. that I have no more stains of blood on my hands than oh. your honour has. Oh. But his honour disagreed and he sentenced John Con to death. Right. Here we go. Race yourself. Tuesday, June the 18th, 1872. I will read to you a little bit from the newspaper. The headline reads, Frightful Scene. Frightful Scene. So, while he was in jail, John Conn had shown no emotion. Uh, if he ever did speak about the crime, he insisted that he was innocent. Okay. My husband just got home from golf. He's going to hear us talking. How do you know that? I just saw him go in the kitchen door. We should uh, start talking about murder, really. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he hates it. And he won't even watch murder shows with him. He's like, Ooh, no, I don't want to. <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, uh, Con, while he was in jail, had shown no emotion. He, he kept insisting he was innocent. He told the jailer, uh, Mr. Forbes, the same story that he told the constable, McAvoy, mm -hmm. that the woman died by falling out of the cart onto the wheel. Mm -hmm. um, he said the cut behind her ear happened when, when the constable threw the body into the cart where it hit the tomahawk. Again, I'm not sure. I don't know because the constable said that Tomok was under the mattress. No. Yeah. So at 9 a.m., Cod was a uh, Cod. Con. Con. Con was led from his cell by a priest oh, no. and handed to the two executioners. And? Also present were the deputy sheriff, jail officials, some police oh, reporters. Oh, God, he admits it, doesn't he? Early Chanel Vella and six members of the public. Con said some prayers and the priest was said to be visibly affected, which I think means probably crying. Yeah. The priest stepped aside. Con was taken to the foot of the gallows. He, he even says, helped them a little bit. It was me. By moving his head a little bit so they could get the noose around it. Yep. They threw the cap over his head. Yep. And they tied the noose up and the bolt was drawn. Now, the newspapers reported... A scene now occurred that will never be forgotten by those who witnessed it. Oh, frightful so scene. Frightful you, scene. Yes. Usually during a hanging, the body drops through the floor. Yes. And when the rope has reached its full length, the spectators see the body swing underneath. Yes. Instead, what they saw was the trunk of the body completely severed from the head <gasps> fall into the pit below while the head was still dangling in the noose. He had a weak neck. The no <laughs> What happened? The noose had just completely pulled his head off. So the 
papers reported it was a terrible and ghastly sight. So apparently everyone just stood staring like, what would you do? They all just stood there for the longest time just looking at it. Um, and then they realised what had happened. So I'll read a little bit now from the newspaper report. The blood now ran in a narrow stream from the head oh. suspended above. In the pit, the upper portion of the body was seen to partially raise itself in convulsive shudderings two or three times before it ceased to move. The effect of the scene was sickening in the extreme. So as quickly as they could, the prison wardeners got all the pieces together, got them into a top coffin, took them away. There were questions asked about how it could have happened. Uh, it was concluded that the executioners hadn't allowed for Con's age, so he was 59. Right. What does that mean? Oh, well, maybe your muscles and your bones aren't as strong. And his attenuated frame, which I actually had to look up, but it means thin. So he's oh, very skinny. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they hadn't calculated correctly. Too great a fall was given. So although it was quick, sure. he, he died quickly. It certainly was uh, quite revolting. So I just... I would definitely say he died quickly. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that yes. Confident. That confident. <laughs> he died quickly. It's horrible. Sure we're not laughing. We're not laughing. No, but... Um, I still had this little inkling that he might have been innocent. Do but you? then I would be a terrible policeman or judge, like because I always see the good. I, he swore his innocence. He said he'd lived in the area for forty years. He'd never come before the court. The hole in the head, though, is very. But he pointed out he didn't wash his clothes before he went to the police station. There were diggers gold mining holes mm. everywhere. He could have just thrown her body. If he'd killed her and wanted to get rid of the body, he could have just thrown her down any mining hole and gotten rid of it. Sure. Instead, he took her straight to the police station. Um, he could have washed his clothes. He didn't. He wore the things. True. There was the broken sapling nearby. She could have hit her head onto that. Um, she had told him that she needed to get to Sydney because she had 200 pounds being sent across from Scotland. So if he was after her money, he why knew, wouldn't he yeah. take her all the way to Sydney okay, and get the money? Okay, yeah. yeah. Just raised a doubt anyway. Look, I did some – I've been blabbing on for too long a bit. I did a little bit more looking on Ancestry and there was a John Coyne who had come from Ireland as a convict mm. and he had bobbed up in court a few times. So I don't know if it's the same John Con Coyne, whatever – so it's possible he did have – why are we coughing so much? Is it because there is a, a dead something under there? There's not a dead – no, there's not. So he might have been a bad bugger, and what his wife said about him did suggest that he was a bit of a bad bugger too. Mm. So whether he was guilty or innocent, I don't think anyone deserves to have their head ripped off, do they? It's a bit extreme. Yeah. It is a bit extreme. A little bit. Okay. I need to put my jump back on. I'm not sweaty anymore. Do you want to do that now? Yeah, I'll do it before we do the next bit. Okay. Oh. You're very just. It's all here, there, and everywhere today. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening? I'm putting my jumper on. Okay. I'm cold. I've gone from hot and sweaty. Well, I had to put a load of washing out before you came through. So I was rushing. Okay. Oh, okay. It's back on. Here we go. Okay. We're back. Um, we're back in the room. I've pre I've got all mine printed because we have a printer at home now because we have a oh. full-on home office. Oh, yes. Claim lockdown. on your tax. Yes, we mm. will. Um, okay, so my story is about a man called Louis Buddy Musso. How does he spell his Well, it could Musso. be Musso. M-U-S-S-O. Musso? Yeah, I would say Musso. I would say Musso. Yeah. Buddy lives in New Jersey. Is it Italian? <laughs> 
I'm not sure. Can you do an accent? No. Okay. I can't. New I was Jersey. In... New, New Jersey. I watched all of Sopranos in lockdown. Did mm. you? From start to finish. Had you seen it before? I had. Yep. But we watched it from start to finish. Fabulous. Mm, So good. Lots of murdering. Mm. Mm. Okay. Buddy lives in New Jersey and he's 59 years old. He's lived in New Jersey his whole life. But despite being 59, he has the mental capacity of an eight-year-old. Oh. Yes. I know. Um, But he's still able to live on... Was he 59? 59. Well, he's lived a good long life. Yes. Well, thank you for pointing that out because yeah. he's been able to live on his own. He's done that for some time. He also loves cowboys. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Good on him. And he dresses as a cowboy all the time. I love that. Yes. He um, also was, he was married at one point. What year are we in? Um, Is it like modern day? Yeah, yeah, modern day. Okay. Um, but his wife died in 19... 19- oh, he married? Yes. Wow. His wife died in 1980 of cancer Aww. and he was left alone and he was lonely. Um, he lived in sh- like shelter accommodation, which I think is possibly government accommodation, um, which wasn't great, but he had a job at the local supermarket. He worked as a packer mm-hmm. and he was really happy. He liked working there. But at the end of the day... He was desperate for affection. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to be loved. In 19- Can he get a dog? Will that... No. Ha- no? No, okay. that's not going to do it. Okay. Yeah. In 1997, he met a lady called Sue. He met Sue at a church function. She wasn't... She wasn't... She wasn't actually from New Jersey. She'd come in from Jacinto, Texas. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, which is about 15 minutes away. What the oh, fuck? No. That's my that's my watch. <laughs> no one gets us, Siri. <laughs> Shh, stay quiet. What um, happens if it doesn't when you're on the news? It oh, doesn't were, usually. There were questions about rings too. I can't remember. The toilet ring. Oh, the toilet ring. It's is this the one. toilet ring the one you've been? Oh, it's on the one on your pointer finger. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. this one. Okay. Um, still wear it. Okay. Uh, so he's met Sue at church. At a church function. Yep. She's not from New Jersey. Lives about fifteen minutes away. But she showed an interest in Buddy. Now, she's an obese lady. Mm-hmm. She's not the, you know. Not healthy. She's not an oil painting. Mm, okay. But um, he loves. <laughs> a little bit of snot came out when I started just then. Oh, it's okay. Um, <laughs> but he loves anyone that shows him attention. Right. So he falls in love with her almost immediately. Yep. Okay. Buddy is okay. right on the Sioux train. <laughs> so he starts calling her his. Lady love. Oh. Yeah, very sweet. sweet. By 1998, they're making plans to live together. and they I'm, live... I'm worried about getting oh, too attached to Buddy because okay. I'm worried he's going to do something bad. <laughs> okay. So by 1998, the next year, they're making plans to live together. They agree they will move into her town. Mm. Yeah, because he'll do anything for his lady love. Um, he saved money and bought her an engagement ring. He buys a new cowboy hat for the occasion. Oh, my God. Yeah, bless him. He ships all his possessions off to Sue's town, jumps on a bus to start his new life. Oh. Off he goes. Buddy had one friend. His friend was called Al Becker. Mm-hmm. And Al tried to contact Buddy after he left town. But every time he did that, Sue would never let them speak on the phone. Pussy whipped. Under the thumb. Besides Al, Buddy did not have a didn't have really any other friends or anyone checking on him. Right. Um, and on August twenty sixth, a jogger found his dead body. Who? Al? Buddy? Who died? Buddy. 
Buddy died. Buddy died. Where where did he find the body? Well, the body wasn't hidden and police thought dozens of people could have jogged by seeing the body but not realising it was a body. Wait, wait, wait. Had Buddy got to sue yet or he still hadn't gone? Oh, okay. Uh, I have questions. I know. Okay. Um, Because it just looked like a big pile of clothes. Oh. Yes. So when police examined Buddy's body at the crime scene, this is when they realised that something really bad had happened. Mm. Obviously, he was dead and that was bad, but other bad things had happened. So his entire body was covered in injuries. He had a broken nose, skull fractures, 17 cuts to his head, 14 broken ribs, bruising and cigarette burns all over his body, including on his genitals. Fast forward from crime scene to coroner. The the coroner's report of injuries was seven pages long, and it concluded that Buddy had not died quickly, but in fact had died after being tortured probably for a period of weeks. Sweet mother of... God, what yes, for? Who I do, know. What? So at this time, we go back to crime scene. Police don't know who Buddy is at this point, and they work out very quickly that uh, the clothes he was found in, they don't believe he was wearing when he was killed because they, they're clean. Oh. Despite these injuries, they're very clean. But p- before police had even moved Buddy's body from the ditch they found him in, remember Sue? Yeah. Sue turns up to a Houston police station to report Buddy missing. Now, she didn't turn up alone. With her at the police station was her 24-year-old son, James Jr. So, police have a body. So, hang on. Sue's in Texas waiting for Buddy to come and live with her. Was she in Texas? Well, so police Uh, have have a body. Yeah. And at the same time they find this body, Sue walks in reporting a man missing who matches the age of the man they found in the ditch. Yep. So, police, I'm not sure if this is ethical, but they take her down to the crime scene. Yeah with her son and say, is this him? Was he still there in the ditch? In the ditch. Hmm. Um, Sue takes... Oh, so that, the timing was that close that she was... Oh, right. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sue breaks down immediately. She's crying and wailing. And they police ask James Jr., the son, and to identify him. And yeah. he says, yes, that's him. We killed him. <gasps> what? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yes, yes. That I can confirm that is him. We killed him. What the hell? Yeah, so this obviously shocks police, and they take Sue and James Jr. to the police station. Yeah. So James Jr. tells detectives that Buddy was killed inside a Houston apartment owned by a woman called Bernice Miller. Who's Bernice? Bernice. Where'd she come from? Bernice. So in that house, Bernice Miller's house, lived Sue and her son, James Jr., Bernice and her children... Craig and Hope and Hope's fiance Terence. It's a full-on house. It is. James Jr. tells police at this point that Buddy was killed because he broke a Mickey Mouse figurine. <gasps> but this is not the full story. No. Mm. Yeah. If it was a oh, you've broken my thing, you would just bang mm. someone on the head, wouldn't you? So James Jr. says after Buddy broke the figurine, he was tortured for days. Once he was dead, his body was put in a bathtub full of bleach. He was then dressed in clean clothes and thrown in the ditch. Oh, dear God. James Jr. took police to all of the evidence, the bin where his clothes had been dumped and showed them where the towels were that they used to clean up the crime scene. James Jr., Sue, Bernice, Hope, Terence and Craig were all immediately arrested, of course. Wow. Now, like Buddy, 
James Jr. had a low mental capacity, mm-hmm. and that's why he was so open with police. There's a little bug flying. Did you get it? You got it. I caught it. Chanel has caught a fly in her hand. Did I? I think you did. Open up. No. No, I didn't. <laughs> okay. Moving on. So, James Jr. has a low mental capacity. I'm okay. not saying that in the right terms, but you know what I mean. We know what you mean. I'm trying yeah. to not to be yeah. offensive about it. So, he had no ability to understand the gravity of what had happened. Oh, and that's right. why okay. he was like, yes, that's him. We killed him. Yeah, mm. gotcha. So, police executed a search warrant at Sue's house. And it was, to describe the scene, a hoarder house. Mm-hmm. Full of books, magazines, electrical equipment, full of shit everywhere. Among all the crap inside the house, they found documents that showed she had redirected Buddy's social security checks to her own bank account. Oh, wow. And they found a will for Buddy that named Sue as the beneficiary, and it had only been written the week before. The real nail in the coffin, though, was a $15,000 life insurance policy that had been taken out on Buddy and witnessed by Sue. Oh, 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 no. Do you think she never did really love him? It's not the end of it. Oh, no. She's, oh. They also found a note in a pair of Buddy's pants. Oh, don't. And it read, you must get down here and get me out of here. I want to come back to New Jersey soon. So she wrote that to him? No. So he, Buddy had written it. Oh. I don't know to who or who he was going to give it to. Oh, poor yes. Buddy. They also realized during the investigation that before Buddy left his home to move in with Sue, he was being beaten by her. A neighbor realized that he had a black eye and other visible injuries, and the neighbor offered to help him and call police, but he panicked and told them, no, if you call anyone, she will beat me again. They also realised that James Jr. had abused Buddy um, for entertainment, making him do military-style runs up and down the street. Mm. Police were called when police when people saw it, and when police got there, they asked Buddy why he was covered in bruises and injuries, and he said he was attacked by a group of Hispanics. Aww. Sue was charged with murder, and prosecutors sought the death penalty for her. James Jr., Bernice, Hope, Craig, and Terence were also charged, um, but prosecutors weren't seeking the death penalty for them. But at this point, we should talk about Sue and the kind of person she was. Mm-hmm. So she had been married to a man named James Peake, obviously well before she met Buddy, and they had two children, Christiana and James Jr. Mm-hmm. They had an open marriage, so they were having sex with other people while the other ones waited in other rooms and all sorts of things. But further down the track... I'm doing ja- face. Oh, I know. Further I down the it. track, James, her husband, was arrested and charged with molesting their own nine-year-old daughter. Oh, God, when he got out of jail, Sue decided she needed to change their lifestyle. We're going for an Irish theme on this episode. Sue decided she needed to change their lifestyle um, entirely, so they changed their surname to O'Malley. Hmm. Because they decided they were going to be Irish. Oh, right. Yes, and when I say they were going to be Irish, they were going to be Irish. They painted their house green and decorated with. Decorated it with shamrocks, harps, and leprechauns. Right. Yes. They went full Irish. Quarter me la vulture. Yes. I think now, that's it. Now, it's all good and well to pretend you're Irish, but it doesn't stop your husband abusing your daughter. So Sue started sleeping with her son. Oh. James my. Jr. 
God. But Sue also fancied her boss, a man called Carmine Basso. He owned a security firm where she worked, and eventually he moved in with her, her husband, and their kids. Yeah. Because that's what you do. Yeah. And after no. a while, James thought this isn't his bag, so he moved out. I don't know why I'm interrupting. It's Please. just a lot. It's a it's lot. A lot. Isn't it? isn't this story just mind blowing? It's a lot. I it's feel a like lot. Just in a moment. Okay, go. Okay. So James moves out. He's like, I'm not living with your new lover and our kids. Yep. Shortly after he left, Sue decided she was done with the Irish setup. Right. What is she now? She's rich. Oh, okay. She's deciding she's she's decided she's gonna be rich. So she spends thirteen hundred dollars on an engagement announcement in the Houston Chronicle. She changes her surname to Sue Cassandro. The oh. same surname as her boss. Okay. But she hasn't actually married her boss because she's still married to James, but Anywho, mm-hmm. um, Carmine later dies of reflux caused by malnourishment. Oh. And at the same time, she meets Buddy. We've come full circle. Okay. And she decides Buddy is going to provide her an income. At the trial, James, her son, spilled his guts on every detail of how Buddy had been tortured. And he said Buddy had been beaten, had his head dunked in the toilet and was denied food. Mm. He said... Basically, Buddy was tortured from the moment he arrived at Sue's house. They treated him as a slave. They would make him do chores, and then they would beat him if they if he didn't do them fast enough. James Jr. said that between August 21 and August 25, Buddy was denied food and water. He wasn't allowed to use the bathroom. They made him kneel on a mat with his hands behind his neck for long periods of time. If he did use the bathroom, they would all beat him with belts or baseball bats, and he eventually died 16 days after arriving at the home where he had planned to start his new life. Oh, dear. And he wouldn't have understood what was going on. No. It's heartbreaking. James Jr. was found guilty of capital murder. He received life. Benice received 80 years. Terence Singleton received life. Craig, who is Benice's son got 60 years and then Benice's daughter Hope testified in Sue's trial telling the court that what she'd seen basically that she'd seen him being beaten with a vacuum cleaner and a belt she said Sue had jumped up and down on him and forced her son to kick him with steel cap boots for her cooperation she only received 20 years jail Sue received life and was oh no Sue sorry was sentenced to death she appealed it three times but failed by lethal injection she became the 14th woman to be executed in the United States since 1976 at the time of her death which was February 5th 2014 she was 59 years old uh, at that time Texas no longer allowed final meal requests so she ate the same shit every other prisoner ate before uh-huh. she died. Yeah, they stopped them doing that, mm. the meals. And she had no final words. That's wow. a picture of Buddy. Oh, poor Buddy with his cowboy hat and cowboy shirt. I send it to Kirst so she can see what we're looking at. Yeah. Mm. And his big glasses because he probably didn't have – Oh, poor Buddy. Yeah. What a nasty – I'm glad they mm. did that to her. Yeah, they stopped them having um, – Last meals, because somebody, I think someone wrecked it for everyone by ordering like 10 of everything yeah. and then not eating it. Oh. Yeah, there was, Hold on, I'm gonna send it I don't know where I came across it, but that's why they did it, because they were being stupid with it. Um, 
And I'm also sure I read something the other day about the lethal injections. There's been some change made. It used to be a, a three-part cocktail or something, but now it's a single drug. Very uninformed the way I'm telling this, but yes. um, there you are. Well, that's very sad. And what horrible people. Isn't it awful? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, we'll put that picture of Buddy up on our social media where we love to hear from you. Please yes. send messages, send dead body stories. If you have ever seen a dead body, um, I was going to do a disclaimer where I said, please stop telling us about Nana's granddad's dying. It's But people, I think, need to. Yes, they and know no that, more dead dogs. No, we've, yeah, we've done that. No. Yeah. Uh, but that's mean if I say, don't tell us about your dead nana and granddad, because sometimes people just need to tell someone and they yes. know that they can tell us and that we'll, we'll read it for yes. them. So send any kind of dead body stories to deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vella and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.